The drive-through is GTM's monthly news episode and is sponsored in part by organizations like hpdejunkie.com, Hooked on Driving, AmericanMuscle.com, CollectorCarGuide.net, Project Motoring, Garage Style Magazine, and many others. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor of the drive-through, look no further than www.gtmotorsports.org. Click About and then Advertising. Thank you again to everyone that supports Grand Touring Motorsports, our podcast, Break Fix, and all the other services we provide. Welcome to the drive-through, episode number 10. This is our monthly recap where we put together a menu of automotive, motorsport, and random car adjacent news. Now let's pull up to the window number one for some automotive news. And we're going to start off. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) I love how it's the window number one. Like the Facebooks. <laughs> I swear I thought the was it. <laughs> Every month you do the same thing. It's the window number one. And I'm like, really? Is there a the window number two? I'm glad it's all Brad, Brad, Brad at the beginning. <laughs> so late last year, Subaru unveiled the, the new 2022 BRZ. I don't know if anybody looked at it. I personally don't care. But for those that do care... Toyota answered with their new GR86 just unveiled recently. Both cars actually look quite different compared to the last model or the last generation. The Toyota actually looks different than the Subaru, which I'm surprised by because I thought the last ones, the last ones looked identical to me, except for the badge. These, the styling's a little bit different. I'm trying to scroll through the 61 photos and differentiate what's really different aesthetically. I mean, it's subtle. The tails, the tails are different. It looks like the the lights on the Subaru are a little edgier. They stick out a little further. The hips are wider on the on the Toyota. It could be an optical illusion too, because the colors will throw you, especially since they're all red versus blue. So. It could, it also could be the angle, because I think the toy the picture from the Toyota is a little bit higher up. Yeah, you're right. Maybe they're exactly the same, and I don't know. The noses are a little different, though. The grilling is different. The Toyota yeah. has a honeycomb grill versus, and the the ducks on the side are different. But let's talk about what's important. I, I'm sorry, this is not important because it's not the Toyota GRR. So, hundred percent. We're true. still talking about the burrs and the furs, right? Yeah. Is, <laughs> let me tell you about the burrs and the furs. The two-liter motor is being bumped up to 2.4 liters. Ooh. And it's getting a whopping 228 horsepower in wow. the Subaru. Wow, horsepower specs from 2003. That's amazing. I know. The Toyota numbers are not unveiled yet, but it's probably going to be the same because they're the same car. Uh, and torque numbers are up by 28 foot-pounds to 184. What? Are you kidding yes, me? up to 184. Again, we're talking... There were Volkswagens making these numbers in the early 2000s. We're proud of this. I think a 2016 Dodge Dart makes these numbers. (laughs) That was back in 2016. Hey, now, stop picking on the Dart. That's true. I shall not. The Dart is now my target. I saw one in the grocery store parking lot today, actually. It was a white one. That neon is so cute. Did it have a racing stripe on it? It did. So anyway, (laughs) you can tell we really don't care about these two cars. I mean, as enthusiasts, we should. They come with a six-speed manual. You can also get a six-speed automatic transmission as an option. Give us more power. You know, exactly. You know what would make me care? Throw a freaking turbocharger on this thing already. I mean, we've been complaining about the burrs and the furs for a while. It's the Japanese 944. It's gutless, just like a 944 was. 
throw a turbo on it already and let's get 300 horse out of these things and have some fun but no you know whatever all right fine moving on so, so i don't know if you all looked at the article or at least looked at the pictures or anything but i'm just going to throw this out there do you go with the blue subaru or the red toyota which one would you prefer i mean if we're going blue versus red I'm going to go Toyota just because maybe there might be a GR package for this thing eventually, but I'm holding out hope, right? It That's does have I mean. GR badges. Ooh. And GR is in the name. It's GR 86. So great. 86. You know what is worth it? If you're looking for a two door coupe like this, just get a 400 Z call it a day. Yeah. Which you're going to pay double what you can get one of these for. Yeah, but it's going to be double awesome. And it's going to make double the horsepower and it's French. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, it's Nissan. <laughs> So it's French. Exactly. Yeah, but All you're right. also going to need to buy like three or four transmissions to go along with it. I don't know. They could be better than the 350Zs and, and the earlier ones, you know? Are they, they better than the Titans? Oh, snap. So in keeping with Subaru, Brad, there's some other news floating around the interwebs. If you can't find that coveted 2016 Dodge Dart that you want to buy so badly, you could have gotten a Subaru Impreza 22B STI from 1998. Oh. It had 40,000 kilometers on it. It's around 25,000 miles. And it sold just recently for $325. What? Wait, what? wait, wait. No, no, no. I read that wrong. Hold on. Holy shit. $325,000. What the f Who is this lunatic that paid $325,000 for this piece of shit? Let me guess. Let me guess. Yet again, another car on Bring a Trailer. Wait, 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 did Sam, did Sam buy this car? Have you been to his house lately? Does he have any season <laughs> in his driveway? I, what is going on at Bring a Trailer? Have they lost their minds? Since they went to auction, I think it's gone just nuts. It's no longer, you know, privateers selling cars that were in really good shape with all the documentation and pictures and stuff. I mean, the stuff that's been coming across Bring a Trailer for the last year is just, in my opinion, is outrageous. It's insane. I mean, you're, you're seeing E30 M3s going for a quarter million dollars, cars, you know, upwards of a million bucks and just for stuff. And you're like, for that crap can? I will say that you could eat off this car, whoever detailed it. Yes, it's super clean. And, and the 22B is a great Impreza. It was a great car. You know, it goes back to those Colin McRae days and the heyday of Subaru in the WRC and all that kind of stuff. But 325 grand? No. No, no thank you. I'm just waiting for when I can list my 2008 Volkswagen R32 with 125,000 miles and get $125,000 for it. That's what I'm waiting for. 125,000 pesos. That's, that's yeah. Oh, excuse me. 125,000 yen. So let's move on to maybe something more relevant. Let's talk about Ford. I mean, there's lots of things going on with Ford. I mean, the biggest thing that's hitting everybody and it's not Ford exclusive is production issues because of the chip shortage that is still ongoing. So they've halted Mustang production among other cars for now. We'll see how long the shortage remains. Yeah, and anyone that was traveling along I-71 this past weekend, or was it this weekend or last weekend for the for the Derby, probably noticed thousands, I think 22,000 Ford Super Duty pickup trucks sitting and waiting for parts because of the shortage. They just can't get them. Ford, as Tanya pointed out, Ford is not the only manufacturer affected by this. All the manufacturers are having this issue. So pretty soon, 2025, you'll be able to get a brand new 2021 
Ford Super Duty. Going right along with this chip shortage, they're talking about a potential tire shortage as well. So now you're going to have cars sitting on rims with no chips. It'll be even better, right? It's amazing what COVID has done to the industry and to manufacturing, you know, on a global scale. And how the long lasting effects too. I mean, the, the pandemic is winding down if you listen to what the government tells us. But the long-lasting effects of all, like, like you're saying, the manufacturing shutdown and all that, it's going to continue on for years. Absolutely. So on the flip side, there's some Californians that have decided to go back to internal combustion engines. Studies shows that upwards of 20% of California residents have switched from EVs back to ICE. Too bad that information was about 10 years old and completely irrelevant. <laughs> and back to your regularly scheduled EV news. Thank you. But if we want to stick with the EVs, Ford has unveiled that they're going to release an F-150 Lightning. They're bringing back the Lightning nameplate from the late 90s, early 90s, and the early 2000s. So it's their long talked about all electric F-150 that we've been hearing about for some time that they're finally gave a name to. You're correct. So this was the one we were calling the E-150 for a while, right? Not right. to be confused with the Econo line. I, I don't, I think this is going to be separate from the E-150 though, because this is like, I think a special performance based. It's going to be a dual motor, all wheel drive, 560 some odd horsepower. Original Lightnings were special edition or limited production or Tanya shaking your head, I must be wrong. No, I, I, they, this is the electric F-150 they've always been talking about, but they've decided to name it Lightning. I mean, that yeah. makes sense. I like that. I think it works. I mean, Lightning is, it does have something to do with electricity. and, and Just a stuff. little bit. I guess I mean, it, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. A lot more than Mustang. <laughs> oh, God. What is a Mach-E? I mean, I know airplanes can go Mach 2 or Mach 5 or whatever. What's a Mach-E? What's an E-Ray? I guess an electric eel ray, e ray, e e ron. I mean, whatever a taycan is, or tycan, or toucan, or whatever the hell it is. I love the turbo electric car. <laughs> le car. We'll just go with that. It's le car. It's le car. That's we enough would, about that. Yeah, it's enough about Ford, you know, but we can't go a drive through episode without talking about Stellantis because there's always something going on over in Chrysler world. So what's up this month, Tanya? So apparently they, Stellantis uh, is being indicted now for emission fraud charges. This is related to all that Diesel debacle music. several years ago with the software features that disabled the emissions control systems to Eric. promote higher fuel economy. Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, but you drive a Stellantis vehicle, don't you? I do. And, and your I Stellantis drive... vehicle has a diesel in it, doesn't it? It does. And that diesel was caught up in the cheating scandal, wasn't it? It is. Just checking. Yeah, nothing's changed. And you know what? I will be honest with you. I've gone through four recalls. I still have one to go. And every software patch they've put on it has been worse and worse and worse. And then some of the software packages have actually made those Jeeps undrivable for some people. I had my PCM go up on it. Another guy, his oil cooler exploded that I know. I've had, you know, but apparently that's common in some respects, although they're blaming it on some of the recalls. People are getting terrible gas mileage, horrible shifting now uh, because they changed the shift patterns of the transmission. I mean, all sorts of crazy stuff. I'm like, guys, 
Just fix it. Just do it right. Stop putting out these patches and calling everybody back to the dealership. Now the latest one, which I still need to do is the EGR cooler replacement. Luckily, every time it goes in, they keep extending the warranty. So I'm like, you know what? Fine. We'll keep going down this path. But with these two Stellantis managers being indicted for you know something that happened now, what, seven years ago at this point? I don't know how much longer this is going to carry on, but I'm curious to see where the journey takes us. So And that's not a Dodge journey, by the way, which is probably still available at my local Chrysler dealership. You know, funny you mentioned that. When we get into Lost and Found, I'll go ahead and tell you about that. But I I love the fact that you jumped from one scandal right into another scandal. That's when you jump from the pot to the frying pan, right? Yeah, that's exactly what you did. Yep. And we talked and we talked about this one already last month because the rumor was already there that their Volkswagen was going to be under investigation. Sorry, the Volkswagen Audi group was going to be under investigation for their Volkswagen oh, name God. change announcement. So <laughs> yes, I mean that rumor is true. They're being investigated for uh by the I feel, I feel like I'm watching an episode of Billions. All right. It's like Paul Giamatti's on a rampage, taking all these guys down. It's like Stellantis, and, and we're going after Volkswagen. And, da, 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 and it's like, it's well, nuts. Every, the thing is, around. nobody made any money last year as far as like consumers. So they're not getting any income tax dollars. They need to generate yeah, revenue somewhere. That's true. That's true. And then, you know, they, they levy these heavy penalties against these companies and the SEC and all this stuff. And then it begs the question, not to be answered, it's rhetorical. Where does it all end up going? Millions upon billions of dollars in fines and whatever. That's that's for another podcast. So if you're interested, it goes to pay our interest payments on China. (laughs) Is that what it is? Paves our roads to that smooth, smooth billiard table finish. Uh, Yeah, if a billiard table was like the surface of the moon, absolutely. But you know, (laughs) hey, all right then. So the last couple episodes, we've kind of created this little segment called Lost and Found, where we've been given articles about new vehicles that were sold that were actually four or five years old. So I, that, I thought, why don't I scour cars.com and see what I can find? So this month's brand new old vehicle, 2005 <laughs> oh, Chevrolet Express 1500 cargo van, brand new with 383 miles. Whoa. No. At CarMax or at Cars? No, no. Brand new vehicle. It is at SVG Chevrolet. Really? And what are they asking for? $29,000. Well, $29,000 to $30,000. Whoa. What can you buy a new Express van for instead of a- I don't think you can buy a new Express van. You can get a brand new 2016 Dodge Dart, but you can't get a brand new Express van except for this. The 2021 (laughs) Chevrolet Express cargo van. Oh, they do have it. MSRPs for $33,000. Wow. That's pretty good from a depreciation standpoint. It's not depreciated. It's brand new. There's no <laughs> warranty or anything, but it's a brand new van. But it, this is a conversion van. It's the ultimate. It's got captain's oh chairs. This is what Jordan Furman, who we're going to talk about later, should buy, you know, as his, you know, tow vehicle for his Miata. Hashtag the lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. According to cars.com, you can also get a brand new 2008 Jeep Wrangler. You can get a brand new 2015 Jeep Renegade. You can get a brand new 2016 Chevrolet Express 2500 Workman and a brand new 2016 Ford Escape. I'm noticing a theme here. They're all American, but that's not true. There is a brand new 2016 Mazda CX-3 Grand Touring with an automatic transmission. 
Talk about a car that nobody gives two shits about. Speaking of which, if you're talking about Lost and Found, Mazda recently unearthed the MX-81. You know, last month we talked about the MX and what it meant, which is the original Mazda prototype. I don't know what happened to number zero through 80, like you said, Brad, but again, file this car under cars people just don't give a shit about. It is terrible looking. It is way too futuristic. And I'm glad Mazda took all of their plans in a completely different direction. So I think that is enough to close out Lost and Found for this month. But what I would like to do is check this next month and see if any of these vehicles are still available. Oh, that'd be cool. So we'll have to put a pin in this. But yeah, so for anybody looking for a 2005 Chevrolet Express 1500 cargo van in black, with alloy wheels. Wow, that's rare. That's why it's commanding such a price. My goodness. So let's talk about cool cars instead of all this mess we've been dealing with up until Wait, this I point. thought we were. No, this is just us picking up the tragedy that is April and May uh, at this point. So next up, a cute car for Tanya. Let's talk about the Honda Go. I feel like we've talked about this one before, or at least I've seen this one before. I'm aware of this car. I feel like we've covered this one at some point in the past. But yes, it's a little teeny mini two-door hatchbacky style Honda, all electric, squarish with round headlights. So I'm already a fan. She said with a grimace and some sarcasm. Because it's no... (laughs) Gazoo Racing Yaris. That's for yeah, sure. and we're never going to see it. Now, the thing I read was that it had the potential of being electric and or fuel cell. So they might go both ways, hydrogen or electric with the Honda. In about Go. 20 years. 2040 is the number I read, but, uh, you know, it's kind of cool idea. I mean, I still go back to a previous drive through episode where we talked about the Fiat 126 concept. I'd rather see that. I mean, maybe Stellantis... Fiat will put that out to go into competition with Honda over this. But, you know, Honda still leading the charge on these hydrogen cars. I did read this month that there is a hydrogen hypercar being developed in Britain. It came through from Top Gear and not a whole heck of a lot to say about it. But I think that's kind of cool that people are still researching that type of technology going forward. But I think EV is really leading the charge and we're starting to see that more and more. Yeah, I don't think hydrogen is dead yet, nor should it probably be to have a diversified portfolio of energy sources. Obviously, there's still a lot of stuff to be ironed out. So there should be research still being done around hydrogen as an alternative because it's much more abundant and lithium becomes scarce and creating these batteries becomes scarce. It's going to be unrealistic that billions of people are all going to be on an an electrified platform if there isn't the raw material to do it, right? Right. What's the probability of a electric hydrogen hybrid? And I bring that up because that would be the only thing I step back off my pedestal from where I keep going with diesel electric hybrids like trains. Is that a possibility? Can you imagine you wreck your EV and it causes a fire and then the hydrogen lights off? It'd be like the best gender reveal party ever. Just make sure the car has like color, you know, powder in it. I mean, there'd be no point in the firefighters. I mean, the firefighters would just be there to like keep the fire from spreading to the surrounding environment because the freaking thing would just be a pile of ash. (laughs) Like, there would be nothing left. I mean, would it would it be wrong of me if that was a thing to get a vanity plate that reads C H R N B L E Chernobyl? Um, you mean Hindenburg is what your license plate needs to say. Same difference. Um, I mean, not, not to say that like, oh, a hydrogen car can't wreck and 
a spark get created and light off that way or any other source. I'm not. I mean, what's worse, the Teslas and electric cars spontaneously combust in a parking garage. So allegedly, (laughs) no, no, there's no alleging. I've seen the videos and I've seen the footage. The counter argument is always going to be that there's far more gasoline cars that catch on fire. They're just not reported as mainstream in the news and media as we hear about electrics. So but I think that all goes down to volume too. The volume is so much higher in gasoline cars. I wonder if the percentage based on volume works out to be about the same. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't looked at any numbers, haven't seen them. You got to prorate up the number of EV cars versus gasoline and see how that's comparable. It's a valid point. I just like the hybrid idea. I'm still not okay with being tethered to the grid. I'd rather have something super efficient generating electricity for me, whether it be hydrogen as an example, or, or diesel as an example, maybe propane is the answer, some sort of little propane generator that, you know, you got a 20 pound, you know, bomb in the back. Did you pick up blue rhino at home Depot or something? I don't know if it could be self-contained, then I would be okay with it. Look at this marketing strategy. You drive to the campground, then unhitch your propane tank and fire up the grill. You're ready to barbecue. Come on now. Well, I will say I am all for being off the grid because as we've seen on the East Coast over the last week or so, when there's the hint of a fuel shortage or something, the entire East Coast or country or whatever goes completely nuts and they buy it all up. I got 22 gallon black trash bags full of gas. Do not lowball me. I know what I got. All right. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Is that that premium? Is that that premium joint? You better make sure it's them like heavy duty, ultra grade contractor bags. I like, bought them at the buy. dollar store because I'm trying to maximize my profit. All right. Well, you could be like that guy, the guy that loaded up the back of the van with like back of this, some, maybe it was a Chevrolet express cargo van with like, and apparently he didn't secure it in such a way. So he, he bought, I think $2,000. Was it $2,000? It was something ridiculous. It was a lot. It was a $2,000 worth of fuel. He didn't pack it correctly. He will store it correctly. And so he drives away and he's pouring fuel out the back through like the back of the van down the road. That was money well spent. Can I ask you a question though? Since you seem to be an expert, what is the proper way to safely secure fuel in a garbage bag? Because you're saying he didn't do it correctly. So that must mean that there is a correct way to store your fuel in a garbage bag. I do not know if he was storing it in a garbage bag or just like open Rubbermaid totes. Is this the same fool that lit a cigarette or was that another guy? That was a guy in a Humvee. Needless to say... Neither of those are proper ways to store or transport flammable liquid. When I heard about all that nonsense, I got phone calls from friends. They're like, you got to go get gas. You got to go get gas now. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So the first thing I did was I stayed my ass home. And you know what? A couple of days later, there was no issues. But more importantly, I revisited that episode of Sony in Philadelphia where they try to sell gas door to door. That's all you needed to see in order to learn your lesson on this one. So if you haven't seen that, I highly recommend it. Can we go back to the gas crisis for a second? Sure. Why not? Because to your point, where the fuck were all these idiots going? Nobody's going to work. We're all working from home. That's what I said. I'm like, we just lived through a year where you work from home. You telling me those people on the East Coast couldn't have spent an extra day working from home again? 
or whatever. Okay, fine, guys. Maybe bring kids to school. I don't know. I mean, what are you going to do? Call your boss. Be like, my tank's on zero. The gas station's empty. What do you want me to do? Push it? Come uh, Hello, Zoom. You could not go to the mall, I guess. I don't know where you're going. Do people go to the mall? I don't know where they're going, but you, you know where they went there for a day. They used all that gas to get to the gas station to buy more gas. <laughs> Russian doll thing. It's they, like Inception. Yeah, they 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 were low on gas, so they drove to the gas station to get gas, and then they needed to get more gas, so they drove to the other gas station to get gas, and they used all that gas they were getting at the gas station to get gas. Okay, I want to know. I just want to. Okay, picture it: the East Coast, Sicily, nineteen. Yeah, yeah, the East Coast, twenty twenty one. How are you getting the gas out of the hefty bag back into the gas tank? I don't know. That was my Siphon. question. Like. What, what were these people thinking when they got home with their Rubbermaid Tupperware and their plastic bags? I mean, they realized I, that gas dissolves plastic, right? I mean, eventually. They did after they bought it. I mean, that must have smelled real good in the car, too. Like, I hope they were running with their windows closed. Jeez. So, so all sorts of wrong. But as evidenced by the guy that tried to light a cigarette with <laughs> there's a fuel in the car, this was a bad idea. Bad. I don't know. There's so many conspiracy theories too with all of this that it was a, you know, a thing to drive people to go buy EVs suddenly because what happens no. if you run out of gas? You know, all this bull crap. I'm like, but you can't I buy cars right now because so. all the semiconductors are missing. I think finally somebody got that email at work that said you've won or your package is waiting, and they clicked the link and it was freaking <laughs> ransomware and yeah. they got a virus. I'm a Nigerian prince and I have 15 million dollars. I need people- to convert are unfortunately careless or you know honestly a lot of the phishing attacks are very sophisticated in the sense that sometimes they do a very good job of mimicking and if you're not paying full attention okay i'm gonna say i'm gonna say this all right i click on nothing just like i don't answer the phone if i I go i go the next level i go strong bad late 90s (laughs) deleted deleted i mean come on guys it's very simple that little key that says del boop Done. It is. It is. I mean, there's no excuse, but unfortunately, it's a reality. So uh, it is. It is very unfortunate. But uh, I mean, the shocker is that that hasn't happened sooner. Well, the bigger shocker is that somebody's work computer was actually connected to the SCADA systems that they use that control those types of environments. That that should never happen. They're supposed to be isolated completely, and it just I don't know. There's a lot going on there. I'm not going to nerd out on the IT side of this, but it's just uh, whatever. But for, as a consumer goes. Only put your fuel in a, a certified, yes. container, certified container to, to hold it. Uh, and also, don't go buy all the fucking fuel. Yeah, because that's the other thing I was thinking too. Leave some fuel for the EMS and the fire trucks and the police officers in case something happens. If the stations about, are shut down, I mean, come on. Or how about people that were first responders or medical professionals that still have to go to work because they're saving your life? They need to be able to have fuel in their car. You don't to go to the restaurant or McDonald's drive-through. Yeah, or I pick mean, up some mulch. I'm sure we're going to piss people off by saying this, but it's just, you know, it's, it's that stay home. Yeah. I mean, cheese Louise after a year, come on. I mean, I say the same thing after a snowstorm, when the government shuts down for rain, they don't shut down so you can go shopping. They shut down so you can get home before the storm starts. Exactly. It's safety first. Right. And just again, whatever, but back to EVs, you know, who else is getting their foot in the game? Who is getting their foot in the game? Oh, you know, they used to make tractors way back in the day. And then they got, no, they worked for Enzo Ferrari and they got pissed off. Kubota. 
and now they're owned by Germans. Lamborghinis getting into EV game. Woo! It's about damn time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, they're part of the bag family, right? That's right. So it shouldn't be that hard for them. It really isn't. It's not so, a stretch so of the imagination. Is it going to be a Neutron or it's a can underneath? No, it is a Lamborghini like hypercar. And when you look at it, straight out of Mattel. This looks, it looks like, like a shark. Yeah, it looks like something off the Hot Wheels made it up in the laboratory design. Going back to the roots of Lamborghini, slapping people in the face with designs that they've never seen before. I've never seen a car that looks quite like this. I have in every Hot Wheels collection that I've ever gotten. <laughs> I bet you they contracted the design with Hot Wheels. I kind of like it, but I kind of don't at the same time. I think I'd like to see something that isn't a rendering. It's a little Forza-esque, the pictures that are out there. But I think they've run out of bull names too. So I don't know what they're going to call this one either. But Senora. to Tanya's point, it's the Porsche and Audi PPE platform underneath. So it, again, it's nothing. They're not really reinventing the wheel. Curious to see where they take it. But I'm excited that Lamborghini's getting in the fight too. Why not? It looks like it's ready to go off one of those giant orange jumps and do the hoop. Yep, 100%. What's really cool, though, is the Brits, man. I got to tip my hat to them because if you look at them in the history of automotive design and innovation, the Brits have really been at the forefront of things. Now, they haven't always gone to plan. A lot of things have gone pear-shaped. And as we learned on our British owners episode, they kind of continue to trudge down the road regardless of whether the idea was good, bad, or indifferent. But I got to hand it to a recent set of entrepreneurs. They're taking old cars and retrofitting EV power plants into old British roadsters. Now, this isn't a new concept, but what's new and different is a, number one, they're not using Tesla power plants. They're using an EV system from a company called Electrogenic. Other thing they're doing is they're adapting these Electrogenic power plants to the existing drivetrain of the vehicles, retaining the original layout, original suspension, and manual transmissions. So they've completed conversions on two cars, neither of which are really anything to write home about. One is a Triumph Stag, which is like, rah. It's interesting if you're a Brit and, you know, if you like those cars, it's not my cup of tea or Earl Grey, I guess, in this case. But the one that is interesting is the Morgan Plus 4 that they converted to EV power. And I think that's really, really cool. But in addition to that, gotta love the Brits. And GM of UK is not necessarily dead yet. Neither is the European, you know, arm of it in Germany. And so, you know, we talked about the Lightning being an appropriate name for the E-150. Opal's badge has always been a lightning bolt, you know, going back to way back when. And, you know, Mike Crutchfield has hinted more than once that they were going to bring back Opal as an EV. Well, we got a first glimpse of it, thanks to Top Gear, and they are teasing the Opal Manta GSE with an EV power plant, rear wheel drive, and a manual gearbox. And the people rejoice. This car looks sick. I like the original Opal Manta. My grandparents had one. 
if I could get this car over here, I would definitely be in line to go test drive one. I think this is really, really cool. And I like this idea of these resto mods. I've seen this with Alfa Romeos. Now we're seeing it with the British cars and whatnot. I think this is the way to go. So tip my hat to these guys out in Britain for doing this and we'll see what comes next. I, we'll be talking about more retro cars with EV swaps in the future. So pretty cool. I love everything about this car. The, the color, the, the style. It's amazing. I want one so bad. They're even keeping the black hood. Yeah, that's a signature Opal Manta thing, the flat black hood. It reminds me of an old Skyline. Yeah, absolutely. At that time period, they all kind of look the same. You know, We saw that even in the 80s where they're all copying each other and whatnot. But there's a last hurrah for Britain as well. Let's talk about one of Brad's favorite brands. Let's go to Lotus. What about the Lotus, Brad? So Lotus is coming out with a successor to the Elise and the Exige Ooh. called the Amira. I think all their names start with an E. That is correct. Once they switched away from the type and number, which was the naming system they used in the early days, they went to all cars named with the letter E. And the Amira is going to be the last internal combustion car that Lotus makes. Oh, wow. And it arrives on July 6th. That's sad. I'm not that far away, as a matter of fact. No, it's about a month or so away, month and a half away. I think it looks pretty neat, all honesty. It looks like a shrunken Ferrari almost from certain angles, especially the nose, reminiscent of the La Ferrari in a way. It um, looks just like that Ferrari Stradale or whatever that came out not too long ago. Exactly. That like one-off car or whatever, or the by well, especially or something or other. Yeah, especially in the red color that they're showing it in, it very yeah. much looks like a Ferrari. I think it's a cool evolution of the Elise and the Exige platform as a final hoorah for Lotus. I think that's neat. I'd be curious to see what it looks like in person and, and what it drives. I'm sure it won't be too far off of the current Elise platform anyway. Let's see what happens. Are they going to jam an EV in it later? You know, maybe it's the, the beginning of things to come. We'll get to find out both because I guarantee you, Andrew Bank has already put in his order for one. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? So if anybody's interested, there is a uh, 72D at least for sale. Just contact Andrew Bank. But in keeping up with the times, we would be remiss. We didn't transition and have some Tesla news. I mean, not generally very exciting. We've mentioned this before. Tesla profitability is all very confusing. Isn't it though? Because <laughs> they're quote unquote, we sell so many cars, blah, blah, blah. Ooh, our profits are so great. But without personally having gone, gone through their financial sheet, not the first time, you know, allegedly, you know, most of their profits come from the carbon credit selling that they do and not from their actual car sales. And so they've been selling credits, carbon credits to some of the major manufacturers, such as. Stellantis. Oh. So, and, you know, and others, and not surprisingly, as Stellantis or, you know, Ford or GM or Volkswagen or all these people start generating their own EVs, they're going to be getting their own credits and they're going to no longer need to buy off of Tesla. And Stellantis has already said that they're going to save themselves some do re mi and pull out of whatever purchasing agreements they have, which will cost, I think, somewhere near to the tune of $240 million to Tesla that they will lose. So considering apparently first quarter 2021 was something like $533 million 
pre-tax income, now they're going to lose 240. That's pretty significant chunk of profit sheet. Now, if you've been continuing to follow our sub thread of unsolved mysteries with respect to Stellantis, which Brad usually prefaces by saying, how the hell can they still maintain 700 horsepower V8s on 400 year old Mercedes chassis? No, no, no. no. I usually say, thank God they can still produce 700 horsepower V8 monster motors. But this is the reason why they can. Remember we said they walk in the door and they go, I don't don't give a shit about anything. They're buying these credits from Tesla so they can continue to produce things like the Hellcat. I mean, it all makes sense now. So if what Tanya is saying is true and Chrysler is going back on that or Stellantis rather, that means that might be the death knell for cars like the Trackhawk, the Hellcat, the, you know, the Demon, all that kind of stuff. Whatever's got that engine, that Hemi, 700 horsepower Hemi in it. Why and- couldn't they use those credits for their diesels? Nope. <laughs> that's a, just, that's, a, just that's a sore, sore subject. Though, my man. <laughs> and moving on. <laughs> But as we said months and months ago, as the majors were waiting to see what happened and begin to tool up and develop their EVs, they're going to take their pot shots at Tesla. So what's coming next, Tanya? This question was asked last month because it was like, hey, what is Mercedes doing? I haven't heard anything yet. Well, funny that was asked because they're coming out in 2022 with their Mercedes-Benz EQS, which is going to be their all-electric entry into this realm. Brad, you look puzzled. Do you mean the Mercedes Volt? Because that's exactly what it looks like. Mercedes (laughs) Chevrolet Volt. I'll give you that. It does look like a Volt. It is being labeled a Tesla fighter. I don't know what I will say when I was like, oh, yes, Mercedes. Oh, and then when I saw it, I was like, ooh. Oh no, Mercedes, what have you done? Oh no, couldn't you? Oh, really? Maybe it'll look better in person. No, no, it won't. It won't. It looks like, you know what it looks like? If you've ever been to a sporting event and they've got those, uh, the inflatable flying around drone vehicles, that's exactly what it looks like. I expect to see this floating around a Capitals game at the arena someday. No, I, I just want them to get rid of the EQS or whatever they're calling it and put a BLA so we can just go, what do you drive? I drive a blog. <laughs> Unfortunately, from its profile, it has some very ugh, Tesla reminiscent lines to it. And it's like, come on, Mercedes. Yeah, no. Fail. And then from the back, I don't know. From the back, if the, if the Mercedes emblem wasn't on there, I think it was Buick. But not even like the Buick of today, which is actually like they've been. That's a Buick. That's your grandfather's grandfather's Buick. But this is like 10 years ago, Buick. Don't forget, we still got like the Lucid Air and like all these other cars that are back there that are that are chomping at Tesla's bit, you know, trying to get in there. And, And so I don't know. Mercedes, come on. We just talked about the Brits. Just take a, a GLA or a C-Class and dump an EV in it and go boom. And everybody goes, ah, it's amazing. It's kind of like the e-tron idea, right? It's like revolutionize on the design you already have and then retrofit the EV power plant into it. Everybody expects a certain level of design, quality, and style from Mercedes. But this thing, I'm with you, Brad. It looks like something from GM 15 years ago. I so basically, listening. when it comes to Tesla competition, I say Audi and Porsche are winning. They've got yes. the best looking yes. uh, Tesla fighters. Especially out there. the Tay. I, I, I gotta I gotta tip my hat to the Taycan. It's way better than the Panamera. 
from every angle, it's not bad. You're kind of like, hey, we got the four-door 911 finally right after 35 years of trying. And it doesn't look bad. It's got good numbers. And Porsche, it's going to take them a minute. Maybe they're not necessarily concerned with 600 miles of range or whatever, but they're going to build a fighter jet. So I stopped listening to you for half a second because you said GLA and then something else. And if they're going to go retro, could we like a 300 SL Gullwing or even in like an AMG Gullwing all electric? Like, please, please. Are you listening? That sounds like a prime candidate for the electrogenic motor swap. I give you that too. It'll be unaffordable, but I would love to see it. Absolutely. I'd like to see that in, in more cars. That's for sure. But since we're, you know, kind of ragging on GM a little bit, one of our favorite cars to talk about, not the HHR. Geometric convertible. That's right. You know, you got it. And GM is bringing something very similar to the table. I, it's. <laughs> she took a big breath out on that one. I mean, it's some sort of joint venture with, with a Chinese company. I don't know even sure what this thing is called. Mini EV. It has no name. <laughs> like, I literally think its name is Mini EV. It's very small. If you've seen the Honda Go, it looks like a Honda Go, but worse. Yes. The Honda Go is much better looking. For oh, yeah. This size, stature of a car. It's not even, I think it's got like a top speed in, in the 60 miles an hour. I mean, it's something great if you're living in a congested town where you're not going to be. Oh, the, the range numbers or, are terrible. It's like 75 miles of range and a 13. Yeah, I mean, this, is, this is for densely populated areas where you're just going from a to b or small rural country this is not for getting on the highway and crossing cities or anything like that i'm sure it'll find a home no but it's the first k car in the modern time so when i looked at it i was like it's a geometric convertible for 2021 it's it is exactly what it's trying to be and and to your point in a small congested you know a city area like japan or china it's perfect it's you know the size of a shopping cart and it'll get you to and from your house. And that's pretty much it. This is but, really difficult to say, but the Geo Metro convertible might be better looking. <laughs> Especially with John Cena driving it. You know? I mean, this thing is very That'd similar the right to the Honda Go. But the Honda Go is like a thousand times better looking. Like, I mean, anyway, at any rate, there's another one. We're not seeing it, so we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, it doesn't matter because I don't want to see it anyway. <laughs> But you know what was cool, though, about that article? And if you're looking at the show notes and you scroll down, there's a video on there that says Honda brings past the future with urban EV concept. That's not the the Honda Go that we're looking at that we've been talking about. Whatever that is, it looks like an old CCVC Civic. I really like whatever that is in the video. I think it looks super cool. It's got old flares like a GTI. I'm in love with those like 93 spoke wheels that it has, you know, they look like fans. I mean, fantastic looking car, whatever that is. I want to know more about that, but I think that was from, you know, 20 years ago or something, but still, I think it's super cool looking, you know, I'll post that in the show notes as well. So ignore the, uh, the GM and go straight for that Honda video there. You mean like people do in the car park? (laughs) Exactly. You know, we would be remiss if we didn't just find random car adjacent things to talk about in this particular segment. And one of them that got me really scratching my head the other day was when I was searching on Newegg.com and realized they now sell car parts. Did anybody realize that? Is this like the end of Newegg? But then I also came to find out that they quietly went... IPO uh, this past week. And so I'm like, huh, 
That's kind of weird. Yeah, I'm not sure. So maybe Newegg will be the new advanced auto or something online and we can order car parts and stuff. I mean, I looked at the catalog. There's an interesting array of things, accessories and stuff to wash your car. And I'm, I'm not going to probably buy oil filters from there, but just, you know, if you want to save a buck or two, maybe check out Newegg.com and see if they've got something that you can't actually buy on Amazon. I will say that they are accepting multiple different currencies, especially Dogecoin. So anybody who's got some Doge coin lying around. Is that like Doge? Is that Doge coin? Yeah, whatever. Doge coin. I say Doge because it's a dog. What the fuck is a Doge? Doge. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. One of the things we got to talk about in this section is, you know, we just recently concluded our second annual off-roading event here. at. It was hot. It was the hotness. And if you missed out, you got to check out our YouTube channel and go visit all the videos that we posted. I went through and actually edited down a bunch of very interesting moments that we had over the course of, you know, two and a half days that we were there. Interestingly enough, maybe it's Big Brother watching or the, you know, the ad machine, you know, sending me all the targeted, you know, nonsense that it constantly does. But I came across this video from a Utah Canyon of a rescue team pulling up a Jeep using a square body. So I had to click on it and I had to watch it. 12 and a half minutes later, condensed down from 90 minutes of them rescuing this Rubicon from the bottom of this canyon. It was interesting to see how they did the rescue. They had a 383 cubic inch square body tow truck hooked up to- Mater. Yeah, it looked like Mater basically, but a square body, you know, hooked up to this Rubicon, which apparently had broken its rear axle, e-brake was stuck, like all this crazy stuff. In order to get it up this really steep hill of 30 plus degrees of incline, they hooked an XJ to it, which I thought was kind of comical. The XJ had kind of no problem just, you know, working its way up the mountain, but it was there to act as front ballast to keep the the square body down. And then at, at one point they had a second XJ to pull the other XJ. So it was like this, you know, donkey train going up the hill. You know, I watched this whole video and I got to the top, I got to the end of it. And there was one thing that really stood out to me. You know, I was really proud of these guys. They rescued this dude from the bottom of the canyon. And there was one thing that I, I noticed. And Brad, would you like to guess what it was? That the square body did not catch fire. Boom! There were no fire extinguishers used in this off-road adventure. And if you want to find out more about that story, again, check out our YouTube page and find out how we off-road square bodies. Disclaimer, no square bodies were injured in the making of this video. Sick bird. Shout out to Shane Hopkins for being the only person smart enough to bring a fire extinguisher. I brought the hot dogs. I mean, we could have grilled them right there. Oh, I know. So speaking of tragedies. um... It was a comedy. <laughs> Psych. Speaking of tragedies and possible insurance claims, there was a story that and this is actually a little a little bit old. We we missed reporting on it last month. So in Italy, somebody's Ferrari 812 GTS needed a little bit of cleaning, needed a bath. Owner didn't want to want to wash it by hand, so letting it roll into a lake was a better alternative. So this actually happened at Lago di Garda, which is Lake Garda, which I've been to. And has a article where he talks about where it went off. I'm like, I've been there. (laughs) I have a picture of this now forming in my head. Apparently, I don't know, he had it parked and it rolled away into the water. This sounds very Uh possible. Uh Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. $400,000 Ferrari, you just accidentally somehow leave it out of gear (laughs) and it rolls into a lake. I don't Mm -hmm. know. 
Mm -hmm. I don't know the details, but that's really unfortunate for the car because I'm sure it was totaled. It's bad when you feel worse for the car than for the owner. You know, there oh, are I don't care stories. about the jabroni that owned it. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the same dude that took that Veyron for a swim a few years ago. Oh, man. Looking for that insurance payout. Well, speaking of cars that ended up being wrecked, remember the Tuatara, the record-setting Tuatara? I'm glad you said it correctly this time. Yeah, I've, I've been studying for months now to get it <laughs> correct. But anyway, the record holding alleged 337 billion mile an hour to Atara, touted as the fastest production car in the world. You would imagine that the owner of the vehicle probably wrecked the car, and that wasn't the case. A strong wind blew it off of the transport that it was on. No, it didn't blow. It, it toppled the transporter over. So high, wherever oh, they were traveling right, on this right. road, high-profile vehicles were advised that they should not be traveling down this highway because the right, wind was right. so strong. And I thought this thing was more aerodynamic than that. Not when it's inside an enclosed trailer. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's a shame. I don't know how many more of these that they've sold, but this was VIN number one for this particular Tuatara. Uh, it was headed to none other than Florida. Uh, <laughs> do well, another, uh, I think, to do some more high-speed tests. Well, then, then it was destined to end up in a swamp, so never mind. It's unfortunate to see. That is terrible. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bugatti's building crazy cars that we can't even talk about right now. They have no names, and they look like they're from Star Trek. So oh, they're all gonna... Grand Vitesse. Vitesse, Grand Vitesse. Yes, but we'll, we will talk about them on a future drive through episode as we learn more about these crazy Bugattis that are going to take down the Tuatara and its top speed record because Bugatti will not be outdone. And I applaud every minute of that. Back to Florida, since we're talking about Florida. We were sort of adjacent. Every, Florida, all roads Florida lead adjacent. Florida. All, all, road lead, all roads lead to Florida. This one isn't very funny. And it's not the first time it's happened either. This woman had a projectile come through her windshield as she was driving and like it practically killed her. I mean, this is very serious only to realize that it was a turtle that got kicked up from another vehicle and was sent, you know, the shell with a projectile and it went through the windshield of her car. And this isn't the first time this has happened in some other states down the East Coast as well. It just became funny in my mind because okay. I have I have a question I have to ask. Was the turtle shell red, green, or blue? <laughs> or orange. No, wait, red, green, or blue. It was red, or red, orange, purple, or blue. Either way, a Super Mario Kart. That's all I'm saying. Oh, oh. Super Mario. So Tanya totally went to the comics. I went and to Eric went turtles. to Nintendo. Right. <laughs> I just had this vision of it getting hit by a turtle and and off it goes to the side of the road. Did her car spin around and she stopped and was like... (laughs) I know it's not funny. It's not funny, but... Luckily... That's where they got the idea. Is her name Princess Toadstool? I don't think they named her. Well, we're naming her Princess Toadstool. That's at Princess Toadstool on Instagram. She was an elderly woman, apparently 71 years old. He was hurt. However, the turtle apparently survived. Because he was in a shell. That's pretty pretty good. Hopefully he retracted his body parts. Yeah. He was protected. That's scary, though. I I mean, turtle shells are are really hard. So if that came through your windshield, I mean, it could. I want to know what kind of vehicle grabbed it and just shot it up as like a cannonball. You know, that'd be interesting. 
It was a falling over Tuatara. Oh, is that what it was? I mean, we'll call a guy from Mythbusters and see how it's doable, right? Maybe it was this guy in Florida who was driving over 100 miles an hour in a 45 mile an hour zone. Oh, was that a police officer? No, it was a guy that claims he was just trying to get back to Cuba. What? What was he going to do when he hit the end of the beach? He was going to go so fast. That he just treaded water all the oh, way. Oh, it's like much. Fast and the Furious. What was it the fourth one where they shot out of the mountain and they were flying? Exactly. Now you got it. Oh. Well, they uh, got to get over the wall somehow. How many bags of gas did he have in the trunk? <laughs> how far? How far is Cuba by car? <laughs> Maybe it's an amphibious vehicle. <laughs> Maybe it was it? You know, they didn't say that. Um, think it said what the vehicle was maybe it was, was it the toy boda maybe it was an old beetle <laughs> i mean how fast do those duck boats in dc go you know the ones that drive in the town and then go out on the potomac they don't go 100 miles an hour <laughs> with a big enough blower they sure do <laughs> but speaking of speeders there was also a gentleman in kentucky yeah! who was driving his brand new 2015 <laughs> Ford Mustang. How fast do we think he was going in his GT Ford Mustang? Oh, it's a 50 Coyote. So uh, 15. 15. <laughs> 15 over? They leave cars and coffee faster than that. Come on. 15 miles an hour. I'm gonna say buck and a quarter. If you add the 15 to it, we're getting close. <laughs> really? So he was apparently clocked doing 143 miles an hour in 70 mile an hour zone. Okay, double the speed limit. That sounds illegal. The cops were in a pursuit of him. Apparently <laughs> a lengthy pursuit. Not sure how long this pursuit lasted. <laughs> However, it ended. How do we think it ended? I'm going to say jail time. Yeah. Fiery crash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure the jail time is probably correct, but no, he ran out of gas. He what? did not have enough bags with him. The oh, police had man. more bags. How sad is that? You're doing 143 and it's like, and you're like, no, and you just coast on down. Monica! <laughs> if only I had some hefty bags. Hefty, hefty. I, I, I just like the lengthy chase part of this because... What's the top speed of a panther? Or, I mean, a, or of a crown <laughs> panda? No, a panther. A panther. Oh, it wasn't a panther. It was a charger. Oh, well, all right. Well, that's, yeah. Well, it had cylinder deactivation, so it could only run in four-cylinder mode. That explains that. Well, you know, speaking of fun times, I came across an oldie but a goodie. And if you haven't seen this video, it is the most excellent red mist video you have ever seen. And if you don't know what red mist is, this is this condition you get at the track where you get target fixated behind another vehicle and you drive really, really hard to catch that vehicle. You got to check this out because this dude in a Porsche is chasing a Mustang and it's that typical, the Porsche's all over him in the turns and the Mustang's got him on the straights and it's this accordion back and forth. But the stuff that's coming out of this guy's mouth is absolutely hilarious. But I will just end it with my nemesis. <laughs> I will have you. <laughs> oh my God. It's so, so good. It is so good. Isn't it his, the guy's brother? Like he's racing with his brother. I, I think it is, but it's an absolutely hilarious video and it just gets better and better and better. And then finally, and not to spoil it, I, you know what? I'm not going to spoil it. You got to watch it because the ending is fantastic. 
It's absolutely fantastic. It was remiss of me to forget to mention this one. Guess what it's about? Tesla. Tesla. Oh. And not to pick on them, but to pick on them. And I like how she always says that. Not to pick on Tesla, but we're gonna we're gonna poke the bear again. But they make themselves pick onable because. <laughs> <laughs> is that even proper english <laughs> I, I know don't you like it they make themselves pick onable because they're the only ones i feel like that are really touting their self-driving full-time oh, level okay. 897 awesomeness driving capability drives itself okay listeners she's on the soapbox be prepared mm, no because yes i will end the soapbox with it's not full self-driving and it proved once again how it's not when it crashed into a parked police car, smashed up the front of this Ford Exploder because it couldn't see it. There okay. is something with the cherries and berries. It freaks out the Tesla computers. I'm telling you, this is like the third story of this already. So here's the thing. The police officer pulled over because there was some other vehicle that had crashed into a pole on the side of the road. Maybe it was a Mustang. I don't know. Um, <laughs> He was pulled over, but he also positioned himself in such a way that he was partially sort of in the lane of traffic to cause people to slow down. Like we've all kind of seen this. It's dangerous, but if it's a small road, small highway, okay, big deal. Your eyes should be looking. But it was on the side of the road, lights flashing, it was partially in the road. So the guy was in self-driving mode and figured the car was going to slow down or move. Guess what? It didn't. The dude got ticketed. Which he should, because he should have fucking moved himself. Oh, man. Now moving on. They're the same ones that throughout this miniature gas crisis we had have been standing there like the uh, the aristocracy going, look at you all with your hefty bags of gasoline. <laughs> we run on unicorn farts. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Oh, just horrendous. So I guess it's time to move on and go behind the wall and talk about some motorsports news. I mean, if we want to talk about F1, there were some races... Lewis Hamilton uh, won. Yet That's again, what, 100, 100 polls or 100 finishes now? Some He broke some other record that is going to be unobtainable by anybody I mean, else? Go to F1.com if you want to find out. We don't really care. I mean, here's here's the bigger problem I have, right? I mean, yeah, Shumi won, what, seven times in a row, and you had so many people win so many times in a row. But the problem is with Hamilton winning so much, yes, he's breaking all the records, but it's going to be impossible for anybody to break his record until he retires. So we're going to be like in this drama forever of just like, oh, yeah, here's Hamilton yet again. Go do and something else. It won't else. even matter if somebody breaks his records in the same car, like in a Mercedes, because I mean, I, who gives a shit? I want to see Hamilton drive somebody else's car. Uh, go drive car. the the Haas car. Go drive the Force India car. Go drive something else, not the McLaren. Like if you're that good, here's a Geo Metro convertible. Let's go. You know what I mean? It's like I don't know. It's the best you know car, with the best team. It's like the Forza guys, right? Good on you for picking the fastest car in the game with the leaderboard tune. I still think Andy Pilgrim is a better driver than Hamilton because he comes out to the track in a Kia. <laughs> and I have proof of that. So it's all good. <laughs> and he schools people in that Kia. That's that's true. But at any rate, well, he was in star in a reasonably priced car on Top Gear. Remember the uh whatever that piece of crap was that they had way back when. In the rain, he set the fastest lap time way back when. Never to be outdone. Lewis Hamilton did? Yes. But we're all like, who cares? It doesn't matter. Snooze fest. Who cares? Yeah, hundred percent. There's some changes this year in the schedule, just like last year at Formula One. 
GTM members, start booking your flights to Miami now because in 2022, Welcome to Miami, 2023, right? Bienvenido a Miami. The reason Miami is interesting is because they're touting it as a replacement for Coda. Well, what? it's not supposed to be a replacement for Coda. The problem is it might inevitably become one because the contract with Austin or the contract with Texas, I guess, because Texas tax dollars goes to the F1 race every year and the contract is up this year. Hence the new contract with Miami starting, I think next year, the part of the stipulation was Austin could be the only US F1 race. Oh. So what you going to do, Texas, if now Miami is going to have an F1 race? That's that, more than one. <laughs> all that does is screw the fans. Having a stipulation like that, it's I don't stupid. get it. Shouldn't we want more? More? F1 I mean, Italy's got US? 15 F1 races in one year. Yeah, man. It's like one every time per, you turn around, they're in Italy at a new track. Yeah, it's like one per province. It's perfect. But speaking of screwing over the fans, the Formula One Grand Prix of Canada has been canceled again. So that means no spectators, no poutine, and no Formula One in Canada this year. It has to do with the Canadian travel restrictions, the COVID vaccination rules, all that kind of stuff. And the fact that basically Montreal's track is on an island and it's very difficult to get in and out of. So if you wanted to create a cesspool for COVID transmission, the Formula One Grand Prix of Canada is where it's at. So I don't begrudge them for the decision that they've made. I think it's actually pretty smart airing on the side of safety until Canada and Montreal, the province of Quebec can kind of get everything under control. Then we will see Formula One return to Montreal. It's a fun race from the people I've talked to that have gone there in person. It's a fantastic spectator track. We were actually looking forward to going to the F1 Grand Prix of Canada last year, but then, you know, COVID shut it all down and ticket sales for that race sell out super quick. And I assume that when it does reopen, you're going to be hard pressed to get tickets to the Canadian Grand Prix. So looking forward to that. In addition, there was a video that came out on YouTube. It was kind of, you know, just going around. Uh, it's the evolution of F1. Check it out. Kind of fun. We'll link to it in the show notes. It just shows the progression through the years and all different cars and drivers and whatnot. That kind of wraps up our Formula One news and leads us into the nothingness of anything interesting with respect to WRC, IMSA, or anything else. But we do have some other disciplines we want to talk about. So over to Brad. We had a drag racing episode not too long ago where we got to talk with, I would call him professional drag racer, Bobby Parks, Black Nasty. He does more of the uh, the small tire, uh, no prep uh, okay. drag racing now, but he, was, uh, he does hold an NHRA license, I believe. Mm-hmm. He talked to us about the EV revolution and how the NHRA could possibly open up a class and a lot of uh, future drag racing could be done by EVs. Well, it has been determined that the NHRA is adding the EV class to the Grassroots Sportsman Series starting next year, 2022. Personally, I think, I mean, this is inevitable. I mean, with the gas crisis on the East Coast and the the EV revolution, more and more things like this are going to happen as in more and more internal combustion classes and things like that are going to start getting phased out probably over the next 15, 20 years. There may not be internal combustion, anything. Meanwhile, in Australia, where it's still like 1986. V8 supercars are still a thing. Oh, heck yeah. We're burning that dinosaur blood in Australia. This came across my desk by way of Garage Riot and a couple other sites where these guys in Australia are creating quite the stir by drag racing a Lamborghini Countach. Wow, that's 
Yeah, it's got a hell of a roots blower on it. That's not where the motor belongs, as far as I remember how the Countach was built. That's a Fiero. <laughs> <laughs> In reality, it's a tube frame car with a fiberglass body on top of it, made to resemble Lamborghini Countach, and it has upset a lot of people. But the owners and the team that run this car have decided they're going to continue to run with it because it's getting them publicity. I think it's pretty cool. And I watched the passes that they did and whatever motors in that thing is nasty. And I will say this, it's doing sixes at 200 plus mile an hour. It is a quick car. And you know what? That wedge shape, good choice. It's aerodynamic. And the way they have it raked, it works. And it's the right color too, black. I'm all about it. Good on you guys. But there's another form of racing that I know Tanya absolutely adores. We got to talk about it yet again. It's more downhill power wheels racing. Better believe it. As a throwback Thursday, we went back to Hyperfest 2019 and watched not a downhill, you know, as we've seen it in the past where we're going down a ski slope or down a mud or whatever. This was actually downhill on a racetrack and the action was pretty intense. No, hold on, hold on. I recognize these curbs. Is this VIR? I believe it is. Yes. There you go. But can you imagine coming down roller coaster in a power wheels? No. I love the steering wheel quick release. (laughs) I love the guy that flips over at like, I don't know, I think after minute seven or something. That's awesome. That's all I'm saying. That is awesome. We should do that. Actually, we should try to organize that for one of our next events. So Brad, what do you think? Should we campaign a uh, power wheels car once my, my kids are, you know, done with them? I mean, dude, I've been saying we should campaign a Pikes Peak Hill Climb car forever. So yes, how, this will how be... How long would it take us to go up in a power wheels? Up Pikes Peak? 15 days. <laughs> it's just like, this is like a Flintstone style, so you can get extra oomph with your feet. We're going to have to pick the car up and carry it up Pikes Peak because it's not going to make it on its own. It'll have a little diesel generator. So we're going to link to that video in the show notes as well. So check it out. Those Power Wheels races are an absolute riot. I think it leads us into our final segment, which is kind of wrapping up with some GTM news and talking about some events. You know, we go to VIR every year. I don't know when we're going this year. I usually kind of spur the moment there. We alluded to the off-road adventure. So Brad, you know, how was it? What did you think? I thought it was awesome. I love camping and I, I love the camaraderie, hanging out with my friends and everything. And I mean, who doesn't like going out wheeling and rock climbing and crawling through mud and all that stuff. And, you know, you get a little square body barbecue on the side. <laughs> But on top of that, we also got to get together with a previous guest of the show. We had Dan Rao from the Silver Monster episode, who was also on Truck Night in America. He brought out not the Silver Monster, but his other 4BT Cummins-powered Land Rover known as the Beast. We have a video of that as well. That thing is amazingly good. We did have an interesting end to our weekend with the beast. And we caught that on film as well. So you go ahead and check that out. But on top of that, I really got to say that Can-Am that our new member Shane from the mountain region brought out, you wrote in it, uh, Matt wrote in it, I wrote in it. That thing is phenomenal. When you show up to the campsite with a Can-Am, that's like showing up to the track with a Porsche GT3. Absolutely. Uh, And for the listeners, I believe it was a Can-Am Maverick. X3, yes, correct. Yeah, it's a, a, AKA the uh, Batmobile Tumbler, because that's exactly what it looks like. Insane. That thing was, it went through everything. And, 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 you know, and he didn't have the opportunity all the time to really rip into it. But when you can open the tap on that thing and really let it drink, 
let's say sub, you know, thousand CC with a turbocharger, it does zero to 90 in like the blink of an eye. I mean, if that thing was track legal, it'd be really interesting to see what it could do. Interesting to find out if it actually is track legal. And to, to another point, just a, another little tidbit about the off-road thing. You mentioned how great the Can-Am was, but also Shane is quite the skilled off-road driver. I, I will quote from Dan Rao, who is our resident professional off-roader. Wow, that guy can drive. Yeah, he absolutely can. He has a natural ability. I was really shocked. I've ridden with him before. The Can-Am is a different beast than his Honda Pioneer that I rode with him the last time. But behind the wheel of the Can-Am, you would have thought he'd been rally driving for years. I mean, he'll purposely throw that thing sideways and just catch it and hang on. It's, it's amazing. I mean, a lot of really great talent, a lot of stuff for me to learn there. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, wheeling with him again and, and, and getting back out there on the, the roads less traveled. We'll put it that way. Not in a square body, though. That, that is not happening again. <laughs> But other events that are coming up, Brad, you got something planned for here in midsummer? Yeah, so I'll be going to Taylor the Dragon uh, with a a good buddy of mine. It's the weekend of the 25th through the 27th. Uh, We may meet up with uh, some of our newest members from Garage Riot, our partners in Garage Riot, uh, to kind of hang out down there and see the sights. I've never been to the tail. Got another streetcar again, so I'm looking really forward to to driving down there and and checking it out. And it's just going to be a good time. If anybody's around Tail of the Dragon on June 25th through the 27th, hit me up. That's right. And it's a busy time because that's the same time that the Salem six hours race at Watkins Glen is going on. And that there's a bunch of us that are making a trek out to Ohio to Nelson Ledges for the first time. So if you haven't been out to the track and didn't realize well, A, it existed, or B, that it had been reopened and repaved, you know, hit us up because there's a bunch of us going out to Nelson Ledges that same weekend to go check out the track and kind of scratch it off of our bucket list. In addition to that, we've got our Cannonball Run to Carolina Motorsports Park not too long from now. We're going to go down there with Just Track It at the beginning of August. They've invited us to come down. And there's a bunch of us making the trip to join some of our Southern States region members that frequent CMP to come check it out for the first time. And, you know, we're going to make it a grand old time. We've also been setting up for our paddock party at pit race. I got to get that one out and not say it three times fast. We're going to be doing a karting showdown this year. Yet again, we'll be hosting that for whoever's there and present. If you're interested, you can reach out to us to pre-register and get your spot. And if the boys from Race Factory are listening, we definitely want one of your carts on site. Got to have that unfair advantage. <laughs> In addition to that, Tanya, do you want to talk about Summer Bash and some of the plans we have going on? Summer Bash is the last weekend of July with Auto Interest Group. And it's technically, I think, a four-day event because they're going to be on Jefferson on Friday, Shenandoah Saturday and Sunday, and then Summit Maine on Monday. We'll be having our our annual summer bash party Saturday night in the paddock. And the special event there, uh, our unofficial sponsor of that event will be Kitty Fire Extinguishers. So in in seriousness, um, the the special event we're adding on this year is partnering with Relay for Life and the American Cancer Society to do a charity walk on the track. So that will kick off a 5 p.m. at the track, come early to register in or also to see what it's like to be on a track day. Um, If you've never done it, you can observe, 
you know, the run groups that are going out there, maybe even catch a ride with an instructor. But join us if you're interested in, in the walk as we'll be raising money for um, the American Cancer Society. That's right, Tanya. And, you know, we do something philanthropic every year. You know, we just got done with Lupus at the end of 2020, uh, raising money for them. We raised $2,000 for Lupus by uh, as part of our virtual racing series that, you know, Tom, Wendy, and the whole VRL committee puts on, who was on our show what, two months ago now, I guess it was. And then this time we partner with ACS and Summit Point and Auto Interest Group and on all that. And our goal this time, it's a bit ambitious. We're looking to raise $5,000 for the American Cancer Society. So details on that will be included in the show notes. So you can sign up today and register. We're still trying to get all of the swag together. So the designs aren't finalized yet. Uh, Tanya is diligently working on that, especially the folks that love to collect our anniversary tea, because we are going to be celebrating G. ETM's seventh birthday at the Summer Bash event this year, July 31 through August 2. So if you can join us, you know, please come on out. And if you're a GTM member listening to this, don't forget to register early because it's cheaper if you register sooner than later. So don't wait to the last minute. Now, I love reading hpdjunkie.com because I get super excited about all the events that I can't go to. <laughs> and that's the way I like to put it. There's still so many track events going on right now because people are trying to reconcile from last year. There's literally events throughout the week. I mean, there were weekday events before Monday, Tuesdays here and there, Tuesday, Thursdays here and there. When I lay out the HBD calendar in my, you know, in my Google calendar, kind of overlay them. Holy cow, you could go to the track every day of every week from now until the end of the year. It's really difficult for us to pick all the good ones, but I'll tell you this, you know, be on the lookout for events with PCA, with Chin, Hooked on Driving, Auto Interest, Max Speed, Just Track It. All these groups are listing their events on hpdjunkie.com. It's a lot easier to navigate in some ways than Motorsports Reg. And not only that, a lot of the Southern states providers aren't using MSR, they're listing on club registration or on a different platform or even on a proprietary platform, right? So HPD Junkie is a great way to get all of that information in one spot, search all of North America now, not just the US. So that's US and Canada minus the F1 Grand Prix <laughs> available on there. And we actually just recently, shout out to Dave Peters, we were on Garage Riot and a gentleman posted about some motorcycle events going on to the New York safety track. And Dave was able to add them into HPD Junkie within a matter of you know a couple hours. And now they're posting their events on there as well. So if you're interested in posting your events on HPD Junkie, don't hesitate to reach out to us or go to hpdjunkie.com and reach out to Dave Peters directly. So good stuff there. And keep up the good work, Dave. And in case you missed it, check out the other podcast episodes that have aired this month. Get up to maximum speed with Phil and Brendan from Max Speed Track Days. Enjoy a full-length episode and a bonus pit stop available on Patreon. Tribute was paid to longtime GTMer Matt Yip for his 55th birthday with some great stories and memories he shared with us. And finally, geek out with Andrew Rains from Apex Pro and discover how much more potential can be gotten from lap times. That's right. And new patrons for this month, big shout out to longtime supporters of GTM, Mike and Mona Arrigo. You may know them from Hooked on Driving Northeast. You know, we want to thank them for all of their support over the years. And they happen to be loyal listeners of the Break Fix podcast. So thank you to Mike and Mona for signing up for Patreon. And hopefully they will be future guests on the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we would also like to give a huge congratulations to our very own GTM member 
Martin Scorsese, Jordan Furman for graduating from RIT with a film was a film degree. I can't remember exactly yes. which it is, but he graduated summa cum laude. Uh, so huge congratulations to Jordan. We look forward to fantastic things from you in the future. Uh, and when we do the GTM movie, we hope that he directs it. And your dad didn't put us up to this. Nope, not at all. Nope, nope. <laughs> not pay us either. <laughs> Sign up for Patreon, Steve. What are you doing? Speaking of which, it is folks like the Furmans. It's folks like the Arigos. It's folks like, you know, John Capisi last month, John Richter, you know, Judd, all these other folks that have supported us over the years that are also Patreon members. And so they're helping keep the lights on around here. They're helping keep this show in its 60 some odd episode now with more in the can. I mean, we've got so many really cool episodes coming out. Folks that you would never guess that they would come on this show that have yet to be aired, you know, things like that. Some really, really neat stuff coming. You know, we're still writing articles, although they're not as prevalent as they used to be, although I got some on my back burner. There's other things we're working on, some cool new events. Obviously, last year was a bummer for everybody. Like always, we're always going for bigger, badder, better, and we always want to send it. But, you know, we're, we do need help as well. So if you're feeling generous and you you want to help out remember patreon.com forward slash gt motorsports you can sign up for different tiers to get different access to behind the scenes content and all sorts of other stuff but also we just enabled an annual subscription to patreon with a 12 percent discount so if you sign up for an entire year you get some money back we use that to keep the lights on and keep brad fed with a haribo gummy bears and fig newtons and uh and whatnot <laughs> Uh, so we appreciate the help. You know, it's always tough to ask for that kind of thing, but you know, it does go a long way. And without folks like you, the listener that's listening to me prattle on right now, none of this could uh, be possible. So thank you all. Well, we forgot to thank our special guest host this month, who's the 2016 Dodge Dart and the Chevy Fairbody. <laughs> oh, thank man. you. Thank this you episode... for all the stories and the, the levity you provide to us day in and day out here at GTM. We appreciate it. That's true. This episode. Here's to you. <laughs> this episode brought to you by the letter Q and the number seven. And our new sponsor, Kitty Fire Extinguishers. <laughs> <sighs> and Tanya. Don't forget Tanya. How could we forget Tanya? This is her show. Keeping us honest. She doesn't think it's her show, but it's her show. You really don't <laughs> think it's my show. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Goodbye. We did it. We did it. We did it in record time. Can you believe it? Cars in back of us, all just waiting to order. There's some idiot in a Volvo with his bright sun behind me. I lean out the window and scream, Hey, what you trying to do? Blind me. My wife says maybe we should talk. If you like what you've heard and want to learn more about GTM, be sure to check us out on www.gtmotorsports.org. You can also find us on Instagram at Grand Touring Motorsports. Also, if you want to get involved or have suggestions for future shows, you can call or text us at 202-630-1770 or send us an email at crewchief at gtmotorsports.org. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, everybody. Crew Chief Eric here. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Break Fix, and we wanted to remind you that GTM remains a no annual fees organization, and our goal is to continue to bring you quality episodes like this one at no charge. 
As a loyal listener, please consider subscribing to our Patreon for bonus and behind-the-scenes content, extra goodies, and GTM swag. For as little as $2.50 a month, you can keep our developers, writers, editors, casters, and other volunteers fed on their strict diet of Fig Newtons, Gummy Bears, and Monster. Consider signing up for Patreon today at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. And remember, without fans, supporters, and members like you, none of this would be possible.